welcome to the Undercover Angel Podcast. Thanks for listening. Undercover Angel Podcast, episode 16. So I am actually recording these ahead of the the book release date, obviously. I just got the cover back from the cover designer, and he did an astonishing job. He captured the essence of the work perfectly, so I was so happy and grateful for him. His name is John Hahn, H-A-H-A-H-N. If you ever need any cover design done or you know anyone that needs a cover of a book designed, reach out to him. H-A-H-N, he is in Chicago. I'll have to double-check with him to make sure it's okay that I plugged him, but he did a great job. He really, again, captured the essence of it. So we've got my friends and them victimizing me and the dosing transactions and the trauma bonding, and then we've got the fact that one-on-one they were cool with me, but it was still a sidekick sort of victim relationship. We've got that sidekicks are victims waiting to happen. A sidekick is a friend until the person whose sidekick it is decides to, um, until the the one in charge of the relationship decides that they don't want to be nice anymore and then lash out at their sidekick. And this is how it is often for so many of us. And the growing up process is so awful. You could literally offer me a billion dollars and all I would have to do is grow up again and I wouldn't take it. There's absolutely no way. I would not grow up again for a billion dollars. I can say that with the utmost conviction because it was so eternal. Growing up was like eternity. It was like going through an eternity. And now the years just go by so fast. Blink your eyes. So anyway, I've got my friends, right? And now this chapter, Jeremiah's Affliction, Jeremiah one day disappeared, He wasn't at school anymore. He wasn't in school for a day and another day and another day and another day and a week and another week and another week. And there were rumors that he was very sick. And then my mom eventually told me that he was very sick and they didn't know what was wrong with him. And I missed him. He was my friend and he's still my friend. And when he came back to school, eventually, he looked different. He was all pumped up on some kind of drug, steroids or something, and he didn't look like himself. And everybody was uncomfortable about it. The thing is, he was still, he was still him. So even though he like looked weird, he was still, he still had like control over me, which is so funny, right? So these trauma bonds run deep. So it didn't, it didn't matter, right? But, but I realized, however, it's kind of like the, the squirrel chapter, I, dis- I, I knew something or I discovered something about the sacredness of life as a result of seeing this life become extinguished. I knew that something about life or that life was sacred as a result of seeing my friend come back from the hospital and be back in school. And this part where I say where I, it's like I was inside of his eyeballs or I was swimming around. I, I didn't know... I had a gift. I didn't realize that I was swimming around in his body with him inside of the eyeballs that looked outward and into the mirror, seeing what looked like a ghost. So in the same way that I could experience what was happening with the squirrel, I could empathize with the squirrel, I could also empathize what was happening with my friend. And this was the good to the bad. So there was the anger and the rage and the the emotional dysregulation, but there was also this emotional connection to things, this fundamental feeling-based 
orientation to the entire world, this ability to see into people's souls. And I didn't know that it was a gift that I had. And this is, you know, the work that I do now has to do with, it's very much done at the level of soul. I work with the souls of human beings, not in some sort of woo-woo way, in a much more practical way. I do know people that work in woo-woo ways who are fascinating and wonderful and brilliant at what they do. It's just not my style. But this was the, as I say, this was the good part to all of the bad. This was my gift expressing itself. But as I've stated earlier in previous episodes, I didn't have language for it. I had nowhere to go with it. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to bring it up to my mother or my father. And had I, I don't think they would have known what to do with it. And so I kept it inside. I bottled it up. And this is just another layer in the cake or whatever. You get what I'm saying? So this is another piece of the puzzle. There was this intuitive sense, this empathic nature that I just naturally possessed. It happened when I saw that poor squirrel get executed. When I saw its life get extinguished, a part of me woke up. I didn't realize until much, much, much later in life that this was a gift. So I don't refer to myself as an empath. I just, I I don't think that there's an actual psychological definition of an empath, but I do have an empathic, empathy is a quality I possess. I'm very empathetic or empathic. I prefer the word empathic. It just sounds slicker than empathetic. I think that they're both one. I think the words are exactly the same, though, that they're synonyms. Side note. Anyway, so there's this sensitivity. There's this inherent sensitivity. There's this part of me that is the real me buried underneath all of the sadness and the devastation and the blood and guts on my insides and the anger and the rage and all of this, there's this part that could see other people and that could feel what they felt. They could see other beings and feel what they felt. And that, in fact, was a gift. If only I'd known how to harness it. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.